This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Black Lives Matter and the campaign for less punishment and more justice. For that, we turn to David Cole. He's national legal director of the ACLU and legal correspondent for The Nation. David, welcome back. Great to be here. And of course, the, the underlying issue of the protests in Portland and everywhere else in America, hundreds and hundreds of places in America over the last month, is the movement for black lives, which has raised the slogan, defund the police. Defund the police, of course, means, means different things to different people. The, the Movement for Black Lives website explains, quote, defunding the police doesn't mean an immediate elimination of all law enforcement, nor does it mean immediately zeroing out police department budgets. What does the ACLU think our priorities should be on this front? So I think, you know, divest from the police would be a better uh, way of describing it. I don't think anybody's really talking about abolishing police altogether. Um, I think what they're concerned about is the the, the, the way in which we have sort of put a wide range of social problems uh, in the hands of the police, and they're not necessarily the best situated to respond to mental health problems, to respond to school disciplinary problems, to respond to, you know, um, you know ordinary kind of garden level uh, disputes. It, we could do much better. And, uh, and so what, and at the same time that we have invested in police, we have divested from all kinds of other social services that would respond to the root problems that uh, are, are that underlie crime in 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 many uh, inner city communities, and so um, I think that the call is really let's invest in those communities in some form other than police and prisons. Let's invest in schools. Let's invest in aftercare programs. Let's invest in job training. Let's invest in businesses, uh, and that's the positive way to respond to uh, you know the problem of of racial injustice. Uh, whereas policing, uh, the, the policing the problem just exacerbates the problem of racial injustice, as we've seen time and time again uh, on the streets and in the videos uh, that it flood YouTube. You recently wrote in the New York Review uh, that most of the abusive, violent behavior of cops against people of color begins with the enforcement of petty crimes. You know, I didn't, I've never really thought about that that way before, but you can list all, all of the people who were killed by the police and it started out with uh, being pulled over for a taillight uh, or not signaling a lane change or selling loose cigarettes or whatever. If we pursue this line of thinking that, that the enforcement of misdemeanors is the cause of way too much police violence against people of color. Where, where do we go next with that? So, so exactly. I mean, misdemeanor uh, enforcement is a sort of rarely studied uh, issue, but it is really the vast majority of what the police do. You know, they, they're not spending most of their time responding to murders and armed robberies and rapes. They're spending most of their time arresting people for loitering or for disorderly conduct or 
jaywalking or riding without a seatbelt. I mean, incredibly low or, or marijuana possession, incredibly low level offenses. And, and there are so many arrests for misdemeanors. There are 13 million arrests for misdemeanors a year, every year. And what does that mean? It means that 50% of black men will be arrested by the time they, they turn 23, 50%. And for white men, it's close to 40% will be arrested by the time they turn 23. We are just arresting far too many people for, for, for really low level offenses that don't pose a, a threat of violence or serious harm uh, to others, get people involved in the criminal justice system, create these police citizen encounters, which often escalate and lead to violence. And so one way to defund the police, to divest from police, would be to reduce enforcement of these low-level crimes, which are often an excuse for police surveillance and police monitoring and police intervention, rather than an actual response to an actual problem that needs an arrest, uh, a booking, you know, a, an appearance in court, a conviction, a criminal record for that person's uh, uh, long life. So, um, you know, in that review, I was reviewing a book by Sasha Natapoff, who's, who's a professor at Harvard Law School, who wrote a book about the, you know, sort of untold story of misdemeanor prosecutions. And she makes a tremendously powerful case that, you know, one of the real reforms we could introduce is just reducing those, uh, the, those kinds of enforcements. You have a wonderful line. The truth is that we are all misdemeanants. No one has ever called me a misdemeanant before. Well, not to your face, they haven't. But, you know, the, yeah, the reality, I mean, when you think about it, when, you know, jaywalking is a, is a misdemeanor. Loitering is a misdemeanor, which is, you know, often defined as walking around without any uh, obvious purpose. Well, I, I do that all the time and pretty much every day these days. Uh, so, yeah, and then who gets arrested, right? When you look at th these kinds of offenses that virtually everybody, or, you know, or drive, you know, committing some traffic infraction, when you look at these kinds of offenses that virtually everybody commits, and you ask who actually gets stopped, who actually gets arrested, the figures are, um, you know, disproportionately African-American and Latino men, young men, are the ones who get stopped, searched, arrested, booked, and convicted for these kinds of crimes that everybody um, commits across the board. And it's, you know, in part because it's so, it's so widespread, it kind of gives the police open, it makes it open season for the police. And they go into a, a community that they think is, I don't, I don't think most of them are going in to say, let's arrest a black person or let's arrest a, 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 a Latino uh, man, that they're going into communities that they think are, um, our, our crime uh, have serious crime problems. And then they use these tools to sort of, you know, enforce a kind of martial law where they can stop anybody, show me your papers, tell me who you are, and then arrest you for a very minor offense. And in, 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 on some theory that somehow this is going to deal with problems of, of, you know, serious gang violence or, or, or drug traffic and the like, and it just doesn't. 
Of course, there is a theory behind misdemeanor enforcement. It's called broken windows. It's the work of James Q. Wilson, the famous Harvard criminologist, that if you enforce the petty crimes, you will stop the serious crimes because the same people are criminals, namely young males, people of color. That's the theory that our police departments have been taught for the last uh, 20 years. So it is a theory. Um, I, I don't think the evidence in, in, uh, of its practice really um, bears it out. And, I, you know, I think well, and from, from one perspective, yeah, sure, it works. If you arrest everybody, you're going to reduce <laughs> violent crime because some of the people you arrest will be violent criminals. But that's hardly, uh, you know, the, the, an, a, a rational or humane way to uh, deal with the problem of violent crime, which is committed by a very small uh, subset of people in our in, in our in all of our communities, and and secondly, when you look at the the record, you know you just it just doesn't um, support the notion that broken windows is the is the key. Take New York City, right? New York City is sort of where broken windows and stop and frisk policing. That's where it was sort of done most aggressively, and it was often pointed to as see they put this in place, and what happened? Crime dropped dramatically. But in fact, what you see when you look at the, the data is that during the period that stop and frisk was used aggressively in New York and crime dropped dramatically, crime was dropping dramatically across the country, including in many cities that did not use uh, stop and frisk and bro broken windows policies. And then secondly, when uh, New York stopped using uh, stop and frisk, right, when in response to a lawsuit that the Center for Constitutional Rights brought, uh, Mayor Bloomberg then came, I mean, I mean Mayor um, de Blasio came in and on a platform to, to end the practice. And they went from a practice where they were stopping 685,000 people a year in, in stop and frisks to today where they stop about 20,000 a year. And crime has not increased. Crime has not gone up. So if that was so central to the keeping crime down, then you would expect crime to have increased in the many years now that they have not been engaged in that practice, and it hasn't. So, um, you know, I think it's a myth that broken windows is the way to go. Uh, and, you know, and, and except for the, you know, it's, it's rational in the sense, as I said before, if you arrest everybody, you're going to catch some bad guys. But that is not the way uh, the criminal justice system you know, properly operates. David Cole, he's National Legal Director of the ACLU, and he wrote about how less punishment would lead to more justice for the New York Review. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.